Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In today's video, I'm going to be going through my top 30 running back rankings. So in the next few days, I'm going to be putting out my final sets of rankings at every single position. So tomorrow it'll be the wide receivers, then quarterbacks, tight ends, and then my overall big board. But today it's going to be all about the running backs. And I'm going to be ranking these guys using half point PPR scoring. So if you guys are playing in standard or PPR leagues, it'll be easy for you guys to adjust accordingly. Obviously for PPR, you would want to favor running backs who are heavily involved in the receiving game. And then standard, you want to favor guys you know who aren't super involved, players like Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry. And then for this video, I'm not going to go super in-depth on every single player just because we would be here forever. But I'm going to talk more about the guys that I differ from for consensus. You know, I have Christian McCaffrey number one. I don't need to do a whole five minute spiel on him because I think everyone knows why Christian McCaffrey is the number one pick. While you guys are watching the video, if you're enjoying the content, please just make sure you guys leave a like and subscribe to the channel. That would really help support me a lot and I would appreciate it. Then also let me know your thoughts down below in the comment sections. You know, if you disagree with where I ranked some of these guys, let me know down below who should be higher, who should be lower. Obviously, not everyone's going to agree on every single player, and I'd love to hear your guys' reasoning and rationale for why you think certain guys should be in different spots. I want to hear your perspectives, so let me know down below, and I'll be responding to everyone who comments. But let's just get right into it, starting off with the number one running back who I already mentioned. It's got to be Christian McCaffrey. He just has the highest ceiling, and if he's not injured, he's just going to put up a monster season this year. Then I have Delvin Cook at the number two, and I think this is also a pretty consensus pick. You know, he may not have that same ceiling that Christian McCaffrey has, but he's just going to get a ton of work and is still fairly involved in the receiving game. So he's another pick here who seems to be very safe. At the three and four slots are kind of where there could be some shakeups here. I've gone back and forth on Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry all offseason, but I'm starting to settle in here with Alvin Kamara as the number three guy, just because I think with Michael Thomas out and Jameis Winston at quarterback, Kamara is just going to be so heavily involved. He's going to be their top option really everywhere. He could lead the team in receptions while Michael Thomas is out, and he's just going to have so much value. You know, he may not have that same touchdown upside he had last year, and he may not be as safe as Derrick Henry, but I do think he has a much higher ceiling than Henry just because his receiving work could be absurd this year. Then I've got Derrick Henry at pick four, and you really can't go wrong with drafting Derrick Henry. The man is going to get an insane workload. He somehow does not get injured. He just powers through the entire season and ends up just feasting on teams later in the year because they're all tired and he just continues to go off. He is a league winner for people because of those numbers he puts together at the end of the year. And so I pretty confidently have him here as my number four guy. Then at number five, I've been way higher on consensus than Aaron Jones. I've talked about him a ton. The past two seasons, when he was the starting running back for the Packers, the man finished as the RB5 in points per game and then the RB4. So I just think he's a locked in mid to high end RB1. He's very safe. He scores his points everywhere. He gets work on the ground. He's a great receiving back. He's very efficient, and he's going to have a lot of touchdown upside on this Aaron Rodgers-led offense. So I love Aaron Jones this year, which is why he comes in here at number five. Then I have Ezekiel Elliott. I've seen him ranked as the number five guy in you know most rankings, and I really couldn't argue a ton with that. I think he's going to have a huge bounce back year. Earlier in the offseason, people were really fading him, but I think they're kind of hopping back aboard just because Zeke, you know, his first like five years in the NFL 
was just a very consistent running back one. And now that you have Dak back, this offense is going to be crazy. The defense is going to be terrible. So they're always going to need to be putting up points. The Cowboys gave Zeke big money. And so he is going to be getting those workhorse touches. So the first six guys here were pretty easy for me to rank. But then when I got into these next four players, it became a little bit difficult. So I ended up going with Austin Eckler at number seven, Nick Chubb at number eight, Saquon Barkley at number four, and then Jonathan Taylor at 10. I like Eckler the most out of those players just because I think he has the highest ceiling. He has a solid floor because you just know he's going to be the top pass catcher out of that backfield. But if he's able to receive a large portion of the carries and get some of that goal line work, which I do think is a very reasonable possibility, he has legit top three running back upside this season. He's obviously a beast in PPR scoring, but I still think he is a very viable half point PPR play. And I mean, even standard, he's probably still an RB1. Then right after him, I have Nick Chubb, who's basically the polar opposite player from Austin Eckler. You know, Nick Chubb is going to get it all done on the ground. He is so efficient. This Cleveland Browns rushing attack is just fantastic. He may not have that same ceiling that Austin Eckler has, you know, just because he's not involved in the receiving game and he also has Kareem Hunt behind him. But I think he makes up for it with how safe he is. You know, if he's on the field, he's going to be getting around 15 plus touches per game, but they're just going to be so efficient with so much touchdown upside. So you really can't go wrong with Nick Chubb. Then I have Saquon Barkley, and this was a pretty tough call between him and Jonathan Taylor just because you don't know what's up with this injury from Saquon. But I think in this range, you know, it's worth taking a shot on him just because he is so talented. I'm definitely concerned about this Giants offense. I really don't think it's going to be great. It kind of seems like it's going to be a mess, but Saquon is just so talented that I do think he can overcome it. My biggest concern is that they're just going to rush him back and he's going to re-injure something. And then you're just going to be left without your first round pick, which would obviously just be horrible. But if they're able to just work him back into the lineup, not rush him in, he is just so talented. He is going to produce, even though this offensive line is not good, he's still going to get his carries and he is still a top weapon in the receiving game. And so I was not a fan of Saquon when he was going as like the fifth overall player, but this is definitely a much more palatable price tag for Saquon here going as my RB9. Then I've got Jonathan Taylor as the RB10. It looks like Carson Wentz and Quinton Nelson are going to be ready to go week one, which is great news for Jonathan Taylor. And I could easily see Jonathan Taylor finishing as like a mid-tier running back one this season. Just the issue is that he's not going to have that receiving role that's locked in with Naheem Hines. So I don't know how many third down, you know, opportunities he's going to get out of that backfield. It's also very possible he doesn't even need those third down opportunities. I mean, if he's just crazy efficient on the ground and has a lot of touchdown upside, he could easily finish as like a mid-tier RB1, basically like a Nick Chubb level player. I don't know if he's going to be quite as consistent. I could easily see him averaging more carries per game than Nick Chubb. I think a lot of it just remains to be seen just because we do have Marlon Mack there. And I don't think he's going to take any of these carries, but there are just a lot of running backs in that room. And I think we're just more sure of what Nick Chubb's workload is going to be compared to Jonathan Taylor. At number 11, I have Joe Mixon, and this may seem very high to some people. I've talked about this argument a ton, but the reason why I like Joe Mixon is I'm just going to try to shoot for that upside with these early running backs. And I just think Mixon has so much upside this year. We saw last season, he was averaging almost 20 carries per game over four targets. And his situation just got better everywhere. Giovanni Bernard is no longer in that backfield. That should open up even more receiving opportunities for Joe Mixon. Then also, this offensive line didn't get significantly better, but they definitely did improve. The passing offense is going to be better. 
Joe Burrow is back. So that's going to take some pressure off the run game. And I just want to buy into this volume that Joe Mixon is going to receive. And I'm just going to have to hope that his body is able to hold up. I mean, all these running backs are going to have a lot of work. So, you know, it's basically just a crapshoot on whether or not they stay healthy. So that's not really something that's going to lead me to fade Joe Mixon. And I just would rather chase that volume than efficiency. And so that's why he comes in here at number 11. At number 12 and 13, I have CEH and Najee Harris. I don't really think there's much controversy with either of those guys. So I'm going to move on to number 14 here where I have Antonio Gibson. I'm going to guess that a lot of people are going to think this is too late for Gibson. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to have a very solid season this year. I'm just not really seeing his ceiling. You know, I think he's a very safe guy, but if he's not getting that third down work, which I don't think he will, J.D. McKissick has taken all of those opportunities in the preseason, then I think, you know, he's just not going to be a guy that's going to finish as like a top eight running back. It's definitely frustrating because I know he has the talent to, you know, handle that receiving work. He can be a three down back, but it just doesn't seem like it's in the cards for this Washington football team's offense to give him that role. And so I do think you just become pretty reliant on his carries and his touchdowns. I feel like he's almost going to be like a Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor level player just without the same offensive line. So that's why I have him lower than consensus here. At number 15, I have Chris Carson. I've been high on him this entire offseason. I think people have really started to catch on, and this is basically around his consensus. I do just think he's going to be the workhorse there. And then that Seattle offense, that is going to be a great role. Then I have David Montgomery. He is someone who has moved up my list, and it's just because it seems like he's going to have more of that workload from last year than I thought he would. You know, they brought in Damian Williams. They had Tariq Cohen coming back from injury. So I thought David Montgomery's role was going to be very minimized. But I mean, Damian Williams hasn't played well in preseason. Tariq Cohen still hasn't gotten in a game yet. And so David Montgomery may just come in and retain that receiving role, which is just going to be great for him. He may not be the most efficient running back behind this Bears offensive line, but if he's getting those opportunities, he is a very, very safe running back too for your team. And I did move him ahead of DeAndre Swift, who I have here at number 17. I'm a little bit concerned about this injury he has. You know, the Lions head coach said he might not even be ready for week one and kind of said he was looking out of shape just from that injury. And then you just look at this Lions offense. It's not going to be great. I do like him much more in PPR formats just because he is a great pass catcher, but he's not going to have a lot of touchdown upside. And so all those factors kind of lead me to be a little bit cautious about drafting him, but I still have him here as like a mid-tier RB2 at the 17th overall slot. Up next, I have James Robinson at number 18, who shot up these rankings after it was announced that Travis Etienne was out for the season. It looks like Robinson is going to be the workhorse out of that backfield. I definitely don't think he's going to have the same number of opportunities that he had last season, just because you do have Carlos Hyde there as the backup, but I do think he's going to be the primary ball carrier and honestly probably receiving back out of that offense, and I do think he's going to have a lot of opportunities. I don't know how the efficiency and touchdown upside is going to work. I'm really just not a fan of this Jaguars offense this season. I feel like I'd rather just see it come together you know, before I start going out and drafting all these guys. I could easily see them struggling a lot this year. And so I kind of view James Robinson more as a safer floor play because he will get those opportunities, but I don't know if you can expect a very high ceiling from him. And I feel the same way about Mike Davis at number 19. I'm way higher on Mike Davis than consensus, but I think there are a lot of similarities between him and James Robinson's situations. You know, they're both playing on offenses that may not be the best. Honestly, the Falcons offense is probably going to be better 
than the Jaguars. And then also for Mike Davis, he just has no competition. His second string running back is Cordero Patterson, who's a wide receiver. And then the running backs behind him just have been miserable in preseason. And Mike Davis has not even taken a preseason snap, which tells me that he is going to be the workhorse. He's the starting guy in that lineup, which is why he wasn't getting any preseason work. So I'm very high on Mike Davis. I actually talked about him as a league winning player because he's being drafted in the sixth round which is just a crazy price tag for him. So I like him there at number 19. Then at 20, I have Darrell Henderson. I feel like this is pretty standard. He definitely moved a few spots back with the Sony Michelle move, but overall, I just think he's a more talented running back. So I'm definitely not fading him. He's a very solid like RB3 option. I mean, if he's your running back three, you should feel very good. Then I've got Miles Gaskin here at 21, and I think this is definitely higher than consensus, but I'm really just gonna buy into that ceiling. I do think he's going to be the running back one for this team, and he could find himself stuck in a committee. But when I'm drafting running backs, I think you have to find a balance between safety and upside. And even though he's not super safe, I think his upside just overrides that lack of security because if he is able to secure that workhorse role, I think he is going to be the RB1 for this team. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he can be the workhorse. I think he's the most talented back. He's shown it in the preseason. And so it's definitely a risk here, but I think it could be a league winning risk. He's another guy I talked about in that video. So if you haven't seen that, go check it out. I'm definitely lower than consensus here on Miles Sanders because the Eagles have basically come out and said they're going to use a committee. They've talked about Boston Scott being very involved in this offense. Then also Miles Sanders came out and said that Kenny Gainwell was the best receiving back in that backfield. That's kind of what I had been anticipating all offseason. But if he's taking a decent amount of that receiving role, Boston Scott's going to cut into some of those carries. I feel like it's going to be just what we saw last year, where you'd see Miles Sanders go out, rip off like a 60-yard run, and then Boston Scott would just come in and stay in the touchdown. That's just not what I want to invest in. It seems like it's going to be a committee here, and that's why I have Miles Gaskin ahead of him. I just see more of a ceiling and honestly a better opportunity to break out as the true workhorse. Then I have Gus Edwards coming in here at 23. You know, pretty consensus. He's going to be the number one running back for the Ravens. Not going to get a ton of carries, but just a very solid floor option. Then at 24, I have Chase Edmonds. I'm really starting to come around on Chase Edmonds this season, just because I think he's actually being under-talked about. The Cardinals have basically gone out and said he is going to be the guy. They basically said it wasn't even a competition in training camp. And I mean, the running back one with receiving upside on a very good offense that you can get as like your running back three. I mean, that sounds like a great deal to me. It seems like James Conner really hasn't impressed. You know, he was a guy that I was keeping my eye on. I thought maybe he could take over that Kenyon Drake role but it looks like they're going to give Edmonds the opportunity. So he's a player I've become very interested in recently and just think he has a very high ceiling this year, which is why I have him ahead of Josh Jacobs at 25. I know this is going to be very controversial for a lot of people. Josh Jacobs here at 25. I am just not buying into him this year. You know, I think if you just took away his name value and just look at the situation as a whole, you really just would not want to draft this guy. So last year, he was very inefficient, scored his points through volume and touchdowns. What does the team do? They go out, bring in a very capable backup running back in Kenyon Drake, sign him to $7 million a year, which is not pennies for a running back, bring him in. So now you're telling me Jacobs is going to lose that volume. He's also probably going to lose some of his touchdown opportunities. And then he was never good in the receiving game. Kenyon Drake, much better pass catcher. So he's actually probably going to regress 
in the receiving department. And then this offensive line also got worse. I just think he is a total floor play. I just do not see a ceiling there. And I would much rather take the risk on guys like Edmonds and Gaskin than just get a guy that's going to finish like an RB24 every week. But I mean, I could definitely understand drafting him. It's just all about your preference and what kind of players you're going after. Then I've got Kareem Hunt here at number 26. Definitely more of a floor play. You know, I don't think he's really going to be a top tier running back unless Nick Chubb goes down. And even when Chubb was injured last year, you know, Kareem Hunt honestly kind of disappointed. But when they're both on the field, Kareem Hunt totally has his own role and he's still going to be able to produce as a solid guy that you can stick in your flex. At 27, I have Damian Harris. And while I'm recording this, the Patriots have not announced who the starting quarterback is going to be. So I could see Harris moving up or down depending on what decision is made there. If the Patriots come out and announce that Cam Newton is the quarterback, I'd probably have to move him down a few slots just because in the red zone, Cam Newton is getting the majority of those goal line carries, which just does not give Damian Harris a lot of touchdown upside. However, if Mac Jones is the quarterback, I think you could honestly argue Damian Harris moves up even a few slots here from 27 because I do think he's going to be the workhorse. Ramondre Stevenson has played well, but I mean, it's been in the preseason and it's been against like second and third string defenses. And when they were playing with their starting offense, Damian Harris was on the field getting almost all of the touches. So I do think he is going to be the pretty clear number one there. And if Mac Jones is on the field, he gets those goal line touches. He could be a very safe option this year who also could have a decent amount of ceiling. Then back to back here at 28 and 29, I have the 49ers running backs, Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon. I am higher on Mostert just because he's been operating as the number one running back in this backfield. The issue with both of these guys here is that it seems like the 49ers are going to be using a committee, but I mean, there's always that hypothetical chance where one of these guys can break out as the alpha and would just have insane volume in this offense. So I think they could be frustrating to own just because it never seems like you're going to know who to start on a week to week basis. But I mean, this is where we're kind of getting thin at the position. And so I don't think either of these guys would be a bad pick. All right. So the last guy on this list coming in at number 30 is going to be Ronald Jones. There's a lot of guys that I could have put at this slot. You know, Melvin Gordon. I wouldn't put Javante Williams here, honestly, way lower on him than consensus. James Conner, Philip Lindsay, you know, all these guys are kind of in the same range, but I just went with Ronald Jones and I'm just going to break down how I see this Buccaneers backfield. So last year, we saw Rojo and Fournette sharing the touches. Rojo was getting a pretty decent chunk of the work on the ground. Fournette was getting some of that work on the ground, but then was also the receiving back of that team. Then Rojo gets hurt leading into the playoffs and Leonard Fournette kind of just takes over as the workhorse down the stretch. But this year, I think this is what it's going to look like. I think Rojo is going to be the top guy on the ground. I think Giovanni Bernard is going to take a ton of the receiving work. And I think Leonard Fournette is kind of going to be the odd man out here. He's definitely still going to get his opportunities, but I view Ronald Jones as the most valuable back out of that backfield. He's another guy where it's going to be stressful on whether or not you want to start him, but I do think he's going to have his weeks where he rushes for 100 yards and can snag a touchdown just because this Bucks offense is going to be very good. They have a very solid O-line and he is a pretty decent running back overall, you know, on the ground, definitely not a receiving back. That man has bricks for hands, but so that's why he comes in here at 30. So those are my top 30 running back rankings. If you guys enjoyed the content, please just make sure you leave a like and subscribe to the channel. Then let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. I'll be responding to everyone who comments. Stay tuned in the next few days for the rankings at the other positions. But that's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you for stopping by and I'll see you guys next time.